hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Uh, there's something in the common area that I noticed here at the office. And it's been hanging around there, I guess, since uh, since Valentine's Day. And it's just a, a full box uh-huh. of cinnamon hearts. Cinnamon hearts. And I don't like, there is not a soul on this planet that is going anywhere near those cinnamon hearts. It's a big container. <laughs> and I assume it's been there since Tuesday. What gets or opened? Of last week. If I put rat poison next to it, which do you think gets opened first? You know what is so funny though? Like in a radio business like building, free things do not last long. Okay, they're like they might be on the table for a few minutes before they get snapped up. These cinnamon hearts, they might be there in November 2024. You know, if we were putting money on it, like I'd say I'd take the over. So when the fungi take over, they'll still be there. <laughs> then we might open it. Yes. <laughs> then maybe. The fungi. Jeez, are you in on that now, Last of Us? Oh my god. I'm in on this show. I mean, I'm not sure how real. I mean, sure, there's logic. It could you know, theoretically happen. I mean, a lot of things could theoretically happen, Dan. It doesn't mean it's likely or will happen. Okay, fair enough. So just relax. It's chill. It's all right. The Canucks could theoretically (laughs) trade JT Miller. I thought you were going to say the Canucks Canucks could theoretically win the Stanley Cup one day. Uh, It's very theoretical. One day. (laughs) All right, let's do the mailbag. Uh, We got a cast of thousands producing the show today. Producer Josh Elliott-Wolf. We got Elon. And we've got uh, intern Mac somewhere back there. He's yeah. back here. I see see the boys wearing his leaf hat too. Yeah. Oof, tough look there, Mac. I know. And Elon, no, Elon's just shaking his head. Yeah, he's like, can't be having that Leafs <laughs> fan. <laughs> All right, let's get to the questions. Uh, we'll start with this one, Chris. When will Kapanen arrive in Vancouver? Kasperi Kapanen put on waivers today. Ah, uh, I mean, what would what would Pittsburgh have to give you for you to take for you to take Kapanen. What do you get out of it? I don't know. Even like a, a second round pick doesn't really do it for me. Really? I take Kapanen in a second. Yeah. He can play for you next year. Signed at three point two for this year and next year. If you get a second, he's functional. He can play for you next year, especially if you find a way to move Besser and Garland this off season. Yeah. And you get Kapanen and a second, and he can just play in your third line or whatever. And if he plays okay, you can flip him. Pittsburgh does have their second round pick available this year. Yeah. I don't see them doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're just sending him down for the cast phase, and I doubt they're going to be giving away assets to get rid of a player now to be able to make other trades. Yeah. That's, that's like throwing good money after bad. They, um, I think, I feel like they also want to send a message. You know, the, the St. Louis Blues weren't the only team that got, uh, they got blasted last night yeah. by their uh, by their staff. Um, it's been a tough go for the Pittsburgh Penguins lately, and it it also felt like not just hey we need to do something here and we got to make some additions to this roster if we are going to make a push here, but also we got to send a statement because uh, these guys have lost lost a bunch of games in a row and. You know, people are mm-hmm. chanting fire Hextall in uh, in Pittsburgh these days, so it's, uh, it's a tough go for them right now. I don't think the Canucks are doing it, though, no. but maybe a second-round pick would make it interesting. Ella, Tockett said the Canucks have a lot of quiet players on the team. 
how do they improve that? Yeah, so it was it was an extensive message Ella sent about basically talking, saying they're a quiet team, and he said it a few times. Yeah, and also it's one of those things where trust has been an issue, right? Where players will try to do other players' jobs, and the communication is not great. So how essentially the question come boils down to how do you improve communication for a group that doesn't communicate a lot and is quiet? Is that even possible? I think that's a great question. Can you make somebody do something they're not comfortable doing? I think to some extent in this situation, yes, because mm-hmm. we're talking basic on ice communication. We're not asking you to become somebody else. We're asking you to, hello, can yeah. you speak? Can you talk and play at the same time? I can chew gum and walk at the same time. Yes. Can you play hockey and talk at the same time? Yes, I think you can. So do it. I think it's just kind of coming out of your comfort zone a little bit and just being pushed and encouraged to do it. I think it's doable as long as the players buy into it and, and want to do it. I don't think that's asking too much for quiet players, not to be vocal necessarily in the room, but to communicate on the ice a bit more. It's, um, you know, it, it isn't necessarily a flaw, but, you know, Pedersen has talked himself about being a quiet player and uh, not the loudest guy in the room. He yeah. got a, you know, he, you be loud with your play. You know, I think that's how Pedersen sort of views it. But there are times, like, Guys don't process the game as well as you do, so mm-hmm. you have to be able to communicate some things more often. Yeah. And I think that's also part of you know the evolution of that specific player. And I think it's a it's a big part for Pedersen because he's such a massive you know piece of this team mm-hmm. and likely the next captain of this team. So, yeah. Tom, how does a potential center drafted in the top seven this year change the long-term outlook for JT Miller and his contract? Would you would you foresee him potentially moving back to wing or becoming the three C, assuming Pedersen resigns in two to three years? I would say um, the long-term projection, and you've said this a bunch, Sad, has always been for Miller to eventually move back to the wing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where he's, where he's going to age out, right? Yeah. And I think that's going to be fine as long as you're able to have somebody play center. So I think the plan's always been that at some point. And I think they can live with JT being your second line center if you have a third line center capable of doing some of the heavy lifting. They need a heavy lifting center. Yeah, That's what they need. Now, is that a second line center? If it is, then I think that that's able to move JT to the wing because now you can play on a line with a center who's doing everything. You can be in all situations, but you relied on doing things as a winger, which I think he would be engaged in doing as well. And he's done well in the past. We saw at the lotto year line where he was really good defensively uh, playing alongside Patterson. He's capable of doing that. So I think it could work fine. It comes down to the type of center this team gets down. Yeah. You know, like the only way Patterson, uh, Miller gets moved off is... A, if they get a center who's a second-line center who can do all those things like I mentioned, or they get two centers. Yeah. They get a second-line center and a third-line center, and then now it makes sense for you not to have JT on the wing uh, down the middle anymore. They have to build out so much center depth <laughs> within yeah. the organization. You know, Ratu is maybe just the start of that, um, but even him, you know, again, projections as we've talked about, ceiling maybe a second-line guy, but probably more third or fourth. But if he's that third-line center that can do those things, I think that answers a big question for you anyways, yep. right? And if it does, I think that's massive. And, and there, this was a dilemma with keeping Bo, because even if you kept Bo, you didn't have a center that does heavy lifting, and now you have three centers. Yeah. So who's doing it? Your fourth-line center? You can't have a guy playing 10 minutes being your heavy lifting guy. He doesn't play enough. Yeah. So it, it never made sense by having three, these three guys be centers here. Uh, I will say with JT, too, um, can you be this guy in October next year? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's see uh, second half of the season JT show up for the start of the season next year. That's uh, because even last year, as good as he was in the 99-point season, a lot of it happened in the last 50-ish games of the year once Bruce Boudreaux took over. Um Right now, we're seeing a new coach come in, and JT is the best version of himself again these last 10, 11 games. Let's, mm-hmm. let's see that at the start of next season. Hockey gal, who is a Canucks player not being talked about that you think could potentially move a surprise, so to speak? I feel like we've kind of talked about everyone, but maybe <laughs> someone that hasn't been talked about as much as the other. There isn't really um, too many off-the-radar types uh, that could get moved. You know, we've talked about so many of these guys already anyways. But, uh, you know, the, the biggest ones could be, you know, is there pending UFAs that could get moved here in the next week, right? Are we talking uh, Kyle Burrows, really, but for uh, a late-round draft mm-hmm. choice? I just, I don't see teams, well, Lazar's injured right now, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't foresee it being a situation where, let's say, a Nils Hoagland or, or Vasily Podkolzin gets moved. I don't see Put Colson. I think for Put Colson to get moved, it would have to be such an overwhelming deal that you're like, it makes sense. Like you're getting a player back, it makes sense to move Put Colson, right? So I don't see that being the case. I guess Hoaglander is a possibility, but I think it would be more like for another similar type of prospect or or a younger player, or, or it would be relatively minor, yeah, right? Because I mean, it's not a huge needle mover. Hoaglander is a guy that teams like, but. If somebody gives, do you think someone gives Vancouver a second for him? If, if there's a pick, I don't know if that happens though, right? Yeah. That, that's like, hey, Sven Berchi value, right? We, that mm-hmm. was a second back. Do you get that? I don't know. I don't know if that would move the needle for Van either. Like, so I think it's ultimately unlikely we see one of those two get moved. I don't uh, see Bear. Bear is the other guy, but I just don't know if yeah, the I guess Bear's be got there. some buzz about yeah. potentially moving. Yeah, I think Bear is the one guy you can look at because. Even if you retain, it's 900k, and the Canucks could get back more than what they gave up, which was the fifth round pick. In terms of surprise moves, that can happen. I think we've kind of gone through every iteration now of yes. possible Canucks <laughs> trades. I mean, the only guy we haven't spoken about this year is Bavillier, and, and I'm not quite sure anybody's. But yeah, I mean, would it, in terms of Bavillier's played well with PD. I just thought of it now. Yeah. Could he be a surprise guy? He's played well with PD. Has had some playoff success in the past. Considered a two-way guy. Has speed, right? Like, for a team that's looking for help in their middle six, top six, could he be a guy a playoff team would actually look at? Could they flip him as soon as a deadline? Is that possible? It's possible. Unlikely. Yeah. That's why it's a surprise. There we go. Okay. Uh, do you that... like surprises? Do I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah why They're not? fun. You, you a big surprise guy? Depends on, like, what do we talk about surprise? Like, I don't like bad surprises. Bad news. <laughs> I don't like that. Well, I wasn't... I don't. I don't like. Surprise Generally, dead. I don't think surprise doesn't have necessarily a, a negative connotation. Yeah, some in, in like, my mind. No, I mean I like surprises. Surprises are good. Why not? Yeah. Surprise birthday party? Would you be like into that? Uh, no. Okay. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know about surprise birthday. No, it depends, right? Like, but yeah. Who did know. you invite? Do I like all of these people at my surprise birthday party? Listen, I don't That's even like. That's kind of the main thing. I, I don't even <laughs> like myself enough to throw birthday parties. <laughs> So it's we got to throw you a surprise birthday party. No, please go. don't. Yeah. Please don't. Okay. But I'm just saying, like, I'm not a big birthday birthday, birthday party guy. guy birthday okay. guy. Uh, Jay, so what you were just talking about, not the birthday stuff, kind of leads into the next <laughs> question. If the Canucks were to trade either Hoaglander or Pod Colson for a similar age and similar stage of career, 
defensive or center prospect, can you throw at some teams and players that may be realistic? So the one that immediately comes to mind is the Carolina Hurricanes because we know that's the piece they wanted in the bear trade before eventually settling on the fifth-round pick. Yeah. Um, Jack Drury for... For Colson? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, potentially, I suppose. Um I don't know if that's going to happen. Again, like I'm just so skeptical on Podkolzin. But yeah, I mean, that, it, that would make sense. It's We're, almost foolish to like yell out names like this yeah. because it's very unlikely to happen. But that's... It's kind of irresponsible. It's, but it's kind it's, of it's, the it's, thing you're... you're <laughs> you asked the question. I'm no, trying to answer I'm sorry. Wait, you don't have to answer. No, I mean, yeah. It's it's it, but it's not a rumor. It's just to answer hypothetically. So I think that's fine. I think that's enough. Right? Jack, Jack, yeah. Drury tried player for Podkolzin. I'd say for Hoaglander, probably a Kraftsoft type player. Hmm. Right, I mean, and the Rangers have been trying to move Crafts off. They're not getting the picks or asking price for it. At least with Hoaglander, they can put him in the minors, and yeah. they don't have to bring him up right away. He still has a couple of games of NHL eligibility before waivers, right? So they can kick that can down the road a little bit and solve an issue for themselves with an un- a disgruntled player. That's why, like, again, on Hoaglander deal for that type of swap doesn't really interest me. I'd rather see what this kid does or get his value a bit higher and then move him, like. It's at, a, it's, a, it's at a bit of a low right now, value-wise. Yeah. And look, you know, they, they've kind of gone backwards in his development. But even with, um, just to piggyback off that specific example, like Hoaglander showed more at the NHL level than Kravtsov has. Yeah. Well, absolutely. No, for sure, right? It's, it's, it's why it's a player like I just really not want to give up on. That's the thing. And because he's at a bit of a low, I'm not sure Vancouver's getting the type of value they're looking for in moving him. And what's the push? What's what's the if his waiver was an issue, waivers was an issue, and it's getting close to that, then yeah. I think that you'd be like, Okay, we have to make this move. If if you believe in your development process, and I think, you know, that's the one thing that they feel really confident about right now, um, then you stick to the plan and try to get Hoaglander in a better spot than he was in earlier this year. Uh, Benjamin, is a trade or buyout for Connor Garland really necessary? He seems to be playing so much better under Tockett and can be a key piece on the team moving forward. Man, like, as somebody who's criticized Garland a lot this year, and I even went as far as, speaking of irresponsible, I was, like, even criticizing him for having a short stick <laughs> last night. And and it wasn't as bad as you, I'm making it out to be. He might have the shortest stick in the league. Yeah, all I'm saying is, like, the short stick has limitations. Like, he, he won't be able to get a lot on his shot, and I think you kind of saw that on that play, right? And yeah. I, wasn't, I was just more talking about, like, limitations with the stick, and that's why we see velocity be an issue on his shot. So I've criticized him a lot, right? Even again, last night and, and picking at his game. But to me, it would be foolish to buy him out. Foolish to buy him out. It makes zero sense to buy him out. Yeah. He's still productive, but he still helps you, right? Yep. As much as I don't like his game oftentimes he's still a net positive player that can play in your top six and be productive and can be a pest when he's on his game like there's still a lot of positives there it's uh it's not a that prohibitive of a contract uh he's still a fairly young player i get it would be uh i guess one of those one-third buyouts and that's what makes it somewhat um intriguing but you know we're still talking about a guy that's 31 points in 57 games and what's been a really down year I'm not I'm not buying out Connor Garland. Like I am living with the player and I do believe you would be able to move him in the summer. And I would think it is a failure on the front office if they choose the buyout of Connor Garland. 
Graham, do you think the Canucks will put OEL on LTIR for the rest of the season to facilitate maximizing returns for assets the Canucks trade away? So, so the issue with LTIR is a player has to either be out for 10 games or 24 days or have an injury that is obviously going to keep him out mm-hmm. for 10 games and 24 days. I As don't think that's happening with Oliver ekman I'm not sure, right? Yeah. Like It hasn't so far. Now, is that but what? You can do retroactive. You could, right? but by the time, but look at when he went out. If you're waiting for it, to, for it to be retroactive, that's post-deadline. The only way you can get OEL onto LTIR before the deadline is to put him in proactively mm-hmm. with an injury, with a designation that's going to be long-term. And that means it has to be verified as a long-term injury. And as much as people are skeptical about how the NHL handles injuries and everything, for LTIR purposes, it does get investigated. It does get looked into. So it's not just that simple. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So does OEL have an injury that is bad enough for him to proactively be put on LTIR? I'm not sure it is. That makes it very interesting. Yeah. Because it would you know, increase the Canucks' available cap space even more, but they sure. already have a ton. I mean, they still have over seven million, yeah. which should be more in, than enough in theory for you to do the things. I mean, they're not trying to put, add like ten million dollars no. in long-term salary. You know, like even if they retain on Evander Kane, I mean, sorry, Patrick Kane, right? Yeah. Let's say they retain. We're talking about them retaining two and a half million against their cap. Yeah. They it's have not that more big of a deal. Yeah. Or even like a Mike Riley type, if if Boston does decide, and I guess they don't have to get rid of him. You could do you could do Riley. At four point something, and you could do a Kane retention at two and a half million with the current money you have, and still have a bit left over. There you go. All right, JL, with pro scouting being so extensive, are GMs really fooled when a player is being showcased by getting top line minutes to pad stats? So is this uh, <laughs> who's uh, is it Vrana that's been getting showcased uh, since coming back up to the NHL with the Detroit Red Wings? And the Wings kind of need players. I mean, the Wings are trying to make the playoffs. Um, they said they're not selling. Yeah. But, I mean, Verona might be. I think Verona might be the exception, but, you know. It's more, like, it's still weird. Like, I get the question here, and, and like, like are, do GMs really have to see a guy on a top line in order to be enticed to trade for him? Like, is this really that big of a showcase? A showcase has to be over a period of time. Um, And at the end of the day, it's more just sending out a message to the league like, hey, this guy's still here. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of a thing. (laughs) I think more than anything, though, I I think in terms of do people get fooled, it's not so much about getting fooled. I think it's more about, you know, being convinced or being intrigued. Because if a player can play in a higher role and be productive, that means that, hey, okay, maybe he can do that for us as well. Yeah. Go, go play top line minutes and uh, all these scouts are here watching these games right now around the trade deadline. You know, maybe they see something in you uh, or they are, especially for a guy like Vrana, who's been out of the NHL basically mm-hmm. all year. It's like, oh, OK, so he's still he's still got some things. He's still got those traits that we like so much about this player. Uh, this one, Jordan from Saskatoon. If the NHL's goal is to grow the game, why are there still regional restrictions for games? Fans outside of their team's market really get ripped off when it comes to watching their team. And then there was also a question uh, about the Bali Sports and now the Warner Brothers thing with uh, some other teams as well. Uh, regional and- sports networks going down. Yeah. Yep. 
it's tough. Uh, it's tough, tough business right now. Uh, there's there's no uh, no doubt about that. Uh, Bally Sports and now uh, Warner Brothers Discovery um, announcing today that they are uh, giving certain teams in the NHL, MLB, and M- NBA uh, until March 31st to decide what is going to happen with their regional sports rights to acquire them back. So it's dark and uh, potentially has some impact on the salary cap. It does, potentially. Now, we don't know how extensive or how bad this impact is going to be this year and if it extends beyond this season and if it can be remedied or improved potentially beyond this season. And those are all unknown factors you have to wait uh, to see. But it's interesting, though, because... Before the season began, there was a lot of discussion and buzz, and Bettman himself and Daly talked about how, hey, potentially the salary cap goes up even next year, mm-hmm. you know. And then all of a sudden, a few months ago, it was kind of the polar opposite. And Gary Bettman's like, "Who me? Us? We never said that." And we're like, "We have it on tape. Like we have video of you saying this. What are you talking about?" Does it not kind of show that they had, they knew this was going on, and the reason why they pumped the brakes on the salary cap going up quickly is. They knew revenues were going to be impacted by something like this, mm-hmm. which I think throws everything off a bit. So I think it's for sure something big. I still wonder over a couple of years if it is going to be a big issue or not. Uh, because if you get a remedy this offseason, you can make some of that money back and on top of it even more next year if you play your cards right and things do unfold. So I think that possibility exists. And as far as regional rights go, you can't get rid of regional rights as long as, as, long as you have national rights. They're sold separately. ESPN and Rogers have brought, bought the Canadian and U.S. national rights. Yeah. They own the rights. Mm-hmm. So when they own the rights, there's so many games you can play. And then you sell regional games, and they're owned by regional networks. So national networks can't play certain regional games nationally, depending on. And then regional games can't be broadcast nationally because yep. they have a different contract. Mm-hmm. And that's how it works. So yep. you can't just have the blackout lifted unless you buy the package and you have access to all of it. Like Sportsnet does have the ability to flex certain regional games yes. into a national spot should they feel mm-hmm. the, the need or the want to. Yeah. But, you know, uh, whether it's TSN, Sportsnet, or down south otherwise with some of the regional sports networks there, they're paying a lot of money to exclusively show those games. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's, it comes down to that. It's not necessarily about, you know, blacking it out and not wanting fans. Uh, but also that's... You know, it gives them their chance to sell the center ice package or whatever else. And every every sport does this outside mm-hmm. of the NFL because the games, they're all sold nationally. Yeah. Uh, all right, next. I got a few more. We'll do this one. Basketball, Phil, is there someone in the history of professional sports that needs a bounce-back season to restore what's left of their reputation more than Russell Wilson does? Because Ooh. I can't think of anyone. Okay. Like, two names came to mind. Ooh. Uh, MJ with the whole gambling and move to baseball thing. Yeah. And like coming back and showing that, yeah. you know, he could still do it. He could. Yes. He did. <laughs> he Three did. more. <laughs> he did. Um, and probably Tiger Woods. Yeah. Tiger. I was going to say. Those are the two names that came to mind first. Evander Holyfield. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Russ is like, this situation is kind of hilarious you know you're the star quarterback of a team you go to the ownership group and you're like uh i i want a new coach and gm and yeah. they're like uh, i don't know about that yeah i don't know <laughs> we're about trading that. you yeah i mean now that story was reported today and uh, and, and mike sando is really great so I, I trust his reporting on it but um it's Rush a fascinating one yeah rush rush pushed back and said it wasn't true so there is that um 
none of this is surprising given everything that's been kind of buzzing around. The question is, what is actually true around Russ and what isn't true? Mm -hmm. But what is clear though, a lot of teammates don't like Russ. Yeah. And like you, you're even seeing um, rookies with the Seahawks, young players call out Russ. Tariq Woolen was, you know, calling out Russ and yeah. what he looked like, and there wasn't a lot of respect for Russ from players. So that's what I want. Where I do believe the reporting as well, because. Usually players will show more respect to a guy if he is respected, and Russ is being disrespected consistently by players. Uh, tough look for Russ. Big season for him yes. with Sean Payton. And what, they hired Joe Lombardi as their OC? Really? I guess, I, I guess him and Sean Payton get along. So Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, it's Sean Payton's offense, right? He's, yeah. he's just going to be a vessel. That it's jo Sean it's when Joe Lombardi goes away from yeah. Sean Payton, and then that's when the problems start to stack up. Exactly. <laughs> As evidenced by the Chargers last year. All right, next. Uh, we'll end with this one. Uh, well, okay, a couple. AJ says nacho chips or potato chips, and another one, Pepsi or Coke. Okay, let's start with Pepsi and Coke, Coke for me. 100% Coke. Yeah. Yeah. I would say Coke, but I think some of Pepsi's like other drinks are better than Coke. Or like Pepsi drinks. Zero? Like Seven Up is better oh, than Sprite. I see. Okay, oh. I see, I see. Yeah, okay. Oh, if we're going Fair. full brand, but full I was brand. just thinking uh, Coca Cola versus yeah, yeah. Pepsi. I agree. Coke versus Pepsi's. Yeah, I, I, I never got it. I some people like Pepsi's better. I'm like, why I, would you I, like an inferior cola? I always enjoyed dominating the Pepsi challenge, being like, Coca-Cola. It's so obvious. Give me. Yeah. Well, that, that's why I like the Pepsi commercials. You can't tell them apart. It's like, yeah, you can. <laughs> and also, if your whole brand is being like, you can't tell them apart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You probably don't have a great product. Yeah, listen, we're pretty close to the good guys. No, like the, the idea was that Pepsi tastes better, and you're yeah. choosing Pepsi when you think that Coke is the one that tastes right. better. And then the whole science behind it was that Pepsi and small sips is better mm. or sweeter or whatever than coke but if yeah. you have a whole can coke is better yeah I, i'm a diet pop guy anyway so diet pop okay can't, can't do the sugar no <laughs> i know i'm i am and i will chips. that's why coke zero though i'd say the zero cokes or yeah. zero or even pepsi zero are the the superiors to the diets yes I'm a big uh, cherry Coke guy. Cherry Coke, oh, my go-to. That's your go-to. Yeah. Oh, and as far as uh, regular chips over nacho chips, I like nacho chips and stuff, but definitely regular chips. I'm go home and crush a bag of original Miss Vicky's now. Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, we are back tomorrow with a early start for the pregame, three o'clock, leading into a four o'clock puck drop against the Bruins. It's because the Maple Leafs are off tomorrow. So if you still want to blame <laughs> the Leafs, then you can for tomorrow's game being a four o'clock start and next Saturday when the Leafs are in town uh, to face the Vancouver Canucks at Rogers arena for producer Josh Elliott Wolf and Elon and Mac, our intern, my co-host sat, I'm Dan. You've been listening to Canuck central.